I think the hatred arises from the fear and the boredom and the necessity to write papers in a Shakespeare course. But the real villain, the real creator of boredom and fear and hatred is not, I think, the fact that Shakespeare wrote long ago and therefore requires footnotes. Footnotes are a necessary evil, but the real villain is excessive footnoting, excessive explanation or the wrong kind of explanation. In the American educational system, I think the real villain is the high school class that spends too much time on a single play, months and months. There are many good high school teachers of Shakespeare. There are many good class sessions on Shakespeare in high school. But there are some teachers who, are, who believe that their job is to explain every single line or who are required by some regulation to try to do so. And that's impossible. Not even professional scholars can do that. And most teenagers don't have the attention span to devote two months to a single text, even if it's as good as Hamlet or Macbeth. I think you should have them read it, show them a videotape, devote some classes to the big things, I think a good idea is to have them try to act out a few scenes and get into it that way, and then move on to something else. Doing more with an individual text with young readers can kill a play, chop it up, dissect it, make it cease to be a play. Every teacher who has done well in teaching a Shakespeare play gets told by a student, you made it come alive. Now, the student means that as a compliment, and I'm always gratified when a student says that to me, but I also feel a bit of an imposter in receiving such a compliment. I'm not the one who made it come alive. Shakespeare is alive. Oh, Shakespeare the man died in 1616, but the plays have remained alive. They don't require artificial resuscitation. If you get on the right wavelengths, their life will reach you. Getting on the right wavelengths means principally understanding the conventions of playwriting for his time. Ways in which plays are written then that are no longer frequently used now. If you once grasp how the lines work, how the verse works, how the scenes build, how the characters are poised against each other, how the plot lines echo one another, the plays will give you their vitality. It is the aim of these lectures to help you on to those wavelengths. Now, I've given two series of lectures on Shakespeare for the teaching company before. I'm very pleased to be asked back uh, to do more. Uh, this time, I'm going to do it rather differently. Those who have heard or seen the previous lectures need not fear very much repetition. I will occasionally repeat a point I've made before. Uh, people uh, need reminding from time to time. Uh, those who haven't heard the previous lectures, however, um, can step into these. Um, since I'm coming at a different angle, I'm not uh, depending on points previously established. I'm taking a different approach, and I'm using one different technique. We have taped a number of scenes and passages from Shakespeare using two young professional actors with whom I have worked before.
and they, together with I my, me myself, uh, will do those scenes so that you won't have one voice all the time uh, and so that you will have more sense of the life of Shakespeare in performance. So that you will have some more sense of how the words work together with the actions. That is my theme for this course. Shakespeare, the words and the actions. I take my cue from Shakespeare's own theater critic, Prince Hamlet. Before the mousetrap play, he tells the traveling players who have come to Elsinore that they should suit the action to the words and the words to the action. Now he's talking specifically about individual words and particular gestures. For the words, they should speak the speech trippingly upon the tongue. Do not mouth the words as some of our players.